0: Welcome to At The Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca.
1: Some of you know Neil and Mark, so they've been elders in our church uh, here for I don't know how many years, but a long time. And I I really appreciate personally uh, Neil and Mark myself. They've been uh, like a spiritual father and mother to me for Years ago, we used to actually attend another church uh, quite a number of years ago together as well. And so, Neil and Mark, you have a word for us this morning, so looking forward to it. Woohoo. Yeah, give him a hand. Well, for those of you who don't know you or know us, I'm Neil. She's Mark, okay? <laughs> <laughs> We've been together. Um,
0: don't say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Anything to do with years, I have to stay away from all the time anymore. (laughs) A long time. But one of the things that we found, or I found most difficult is you know, the longer you live, the more you have to say. (laughs) So you have to try and trim it all down, and, and we will do that as best we can. There's so much more that we could say than what we're going to say, but we want you to know that. What Pastor Travis has been teaching you in the last four sessions, I think, on prayer has been excellent teaching, very good, very scriptural, and very much needed in the body of Christ. If, if we don't pray and pray all the time without ceasing, it says, and I'm not talking about every word out of our mouth as a prayer, but I'm saying we don't stop. We never grow weary in it. It's very important i uh we have chosen to just speak on our experiences, okay, simply because I know you've had the scripture, you've got it just about every bit of it that anybody could give you, so that's the important part, but I want you to know it's worked in our life, and we've been around a while. I won't say how long, <laughs> I'll get another elbow but that being said, it's important for you to know that it isn't all peaches and cream, but it's all worth it. And you'll see it the older you get, okay? The older you get, the more you see what God has done in your life and that he's paid attention to what you've asked of him. Genesis 3, 10 was Adam's first conversing with our creator. That was in the beginning. This was God's idea. This isn't ours, it's his. He wants to converse with us, okay? Up to that point in scripture, he'd always just spoken to Adam. But now he was asking Adam to answer. He's like a good father who is teaching you little bit by little bit. The foundation keeps getting built, and it will be built in your entire walk with him. He will do that. All you do have to do is participate, which doesn't seem to be very much, but sometimes we find it hard to step over certain thresholds in our life. And every one of us have them, us included there comes that point where you have to say, God, I'm going to do it your way. As much as I find it not very nice or not very easy or whatever, I'm going to do it because you've said to do it, and I know you have nothing but good for me in it. Genesis 4 and 26 is where the godly line of Seth okay, called out to the Lord. It's important to know that, that we can call out. Up to then, they hadn't called out to God. They'd communicated with him. But they hadn't called out to him. Prayer is important. It's a calling out. It's important for you to know that. In your hour of need, call out. And it can be a small need. It doesn't have to be some magnum, magnificent big thing. Okay? It's important because you need to know he's with you. You need to have that security. And then the days ahead, we are all going to need that. As much as we love one another and we hold one another up, we're going to need to know he's got it. And he's got it for us. It's very important. And the way you get that is to recognize the little things that he's doing all the time in your life. And when you talk to him, look for the answer. And it might not look like what you expect it to, okay? But it's still him, and it's still him answering, and it's still for your benefit, okay? That's how I knew God, okay? Just the way Adam did in the beginning. I just conversed with him. Psalm 68 and 5 was my verse all my life and even to today. He would be a father of the fatherless, a defender of the widows. I was fatherless. My mother was a widow. Okay? I'll tell you, you don't, if, if you've been in that situation, you know that you're you're standing on quicksand all you don't really know who you are. Your father's very important in your life. Very, very important. He's the stake that, that you walk around. He's always there. He was always there for me. And I, I never understood that. It was him that produced it in me. It wasn't me. I mean, I didn't even know who he was. My fa- my mother was Catholic and married a Protestant. They put her out of the church. She couldn't attend church in those days. So there was no church in my life until I joined the church myself, okay? So it's important for you to know that I didn't understand much of anything. And some of you don't always understand until you start reading the word of God and start letting the spirit of God work in you. That's how I understood God was by the spirit working in me to know him. Didn't mean I knew all the scriptures or anything like that. It's got nothing to do with it. I just knew he was there. And when I would ask him a question, it didn't have to be a need in the sense of of, uh, something critical But just something about life, I'd ask him about it. And he would show me. Years later, I'd find it in the word of God. Okay, So I know it was him that was teaching me. He was being a father to the fatherless. He's faithful when we're not. When we don't even understand. He's faithful. He's always with us. If we just acknowledge, just ask him. Which is all I did. You see, because I knew the word of God said that he was a father to the fatherless, so I'm going to believe it. I've believed it ever since because he's proven it over and over and over and over again. It's important, and we see so many that come and go through here that have no parents, some parents, parents that haven't helped them very much. We need to be a father to the fatherless in his place when we can be. Do what we can. We'll never be God, and we'll never be their biological father. But we can be a spiritual father to them. And that's important to know, that we do not hedge back from that. It's hard sometimes, because sometimes things aren't very lovely. But you still got to step into it. Do what you can, because God will provide he became a constant through my day and for years. I can remember I used to, I don't know, I was about 14, I used to plow for a couple farmers near the edge of town. He used to go out after school or on Saturdays. And one farmer had a field that was had quicksand in it. And it was uh, rather difficult if you got near dusk. You didn't just know where the boils were. Um, but I dropped in one one night, and one wheel's completely gone, you know. There's really no way out of it. I tried. I spun, and I did all kinds of things, whatever I could do. But when you're in quicksand, it doesn't move anywhere. There's no solid footing at all. And I said, Lord, you've got to help me with this. I'm 40 minutes from anywhere just to get to some kind of help. And he just said, try again. He was teaching me something, don't give up, keep trying. But the important lesson was, speak to me in between. That's the important lesson. And you know, when I got on that tractor and I wound her wide open and I popped her and it bounced out of there like a cannon shot it out of that hole, right up on solid ground. And I said, thank you, Lord, I know that was you, because I tried and tried and tried in my own strength my own understanding and nothing happened. Those are dear lessons because they're from the Father in heaven. Those are very dear lessons because they solidify you and him in that relationship. And that's what that did for me. And I do that time and time and time again because there was no one else. My mother was a dear mother and she worked hard and she worked all the time. That was a problem. I never had anybody at home. But, that's okay. I knew she was doing it for me. It wasn't that I felt denied because of it. It's just, you know, when you got a question, who do you ask? There isn't anybody to ask. And I, I always went to my Heavenly Father. So it's important to know that prayer is that conversation with him. There's different types of prayer. Don't get me wrong. It isn't the only style. I'm not saying that. But it's where you begin. It's where you build the foundation. For further prayer that comes because there's a lot more he's got in store for us I don't want you to mistake what I had with the Lord my father in heaven as a born again experience that's not what that is okay? Jesus is the born again experience but I knew my creator I knew my heavenly father I knew that he was real and guess what? Who he points you to? Jesus. Okay. So it, it's a growing process, and this life with him is a growing process. Never, ever think it stops. Don't ever want it to stop. Well, he's very, very present in a time of need, but he's very present anyway okay I talk to the Lord just like he's on my shoulder just because he's my heavenly father and if I were if I had a a natural father biological father that I worked beside that's how I would treat him wouldn't I just speak to him if I had something to joke about or if I had something to ask him or it doesn't matter we converse because we relate That's what's so important with Jesus, too. So God, my Father, is very much in my life all my young years. I wasn't always with him, but he was always with me. And I want you to know that. Even though you think you've walked a long distance from him, he's right there. He's just waiting for you to see your need of him. In nineteen eighty five we we met the Lord in a new way. I was diagnosed with a rare form of leukemia, and there was no treatment for it. But my verse was James five and fourteen I'm sure you've all read that at some point in time, but when it's yours, it's yours. <laughs> And I've hung on to that as well. And, and even to this day, sickness, I very rarely get sick. Because I hang on to God's promises for me. That's what's so important. And I don't ever see him failing that, even though it doesn't look to me like it's failed. Sometimes we look with our natural eyes and it looks like failure is there. It's not. Hang in there. Pray worship him, thank him, because what you've got is very, very special. Well, the long and the short of it was I was healed by the laying on of hands and anointing with oil and much prayer. In Jesus, the Baptist church. Hmm? In the Baptist church. yeah, it was in a church that actually didn't believe in laying on of hands, I
0: never experienced
1: it. had never experienced, never saw anything like it. Chris's mother was there. Because the Lord visited us that day. Mm -hmm. And everybody that was there never forgot. They speak to me about it yet when they run across me on the street. You see, God is God Almighty. Mm -hmm. And he shows himself sometimes in mighty, mighty ways. Sometimes in the little things. But it's still him. And it's still his love for us that he's showing. And one is just as important as the other. Okay. He didn't love me more because he healed me. He loves me just as much as when he helped me tractor get out of that hole. Just the same. It's no different. I'm not special. I'm like everybody else. He's yours. If you have accepted him, he's yours. You're not going anywhere. Jesus met me in my hour of need because that was a, a, a very difficult need because I had a young family, I had a wife, and we lived here in the East where I, we had no family. Either one of us didn't have any family at all other than ourselves. So there, mm-hmm. it was the church family that came around me. Um,
0: I just want to interject here. Um, during that service, uh, when they did the lay- anointing with oil and laying on of hands, it didn't depend on the elders that were called because... Um, or on the pastor, but uh, they just obeyed the scripture. Mm-hmm. If any m- among you are sick, let them call for the elders and uh, he, they will anoint him with oil and pray over him and, <coughs> and, forgi- and the Lord will hear and forgive his sin and will heal him. And when they did that, uh, I was sitting like in the first or second row and a beautiful light, Holy Spirit came into that little Baptist church in Brighton, just a beautiful glow, and Neil was covered with the glow, uh, that was my first, I'm a Pentecostal, raised a Pentecostal, but um, that was my first real intimate experience of actually seeing Holy Spirit, and I wasn't alone in that, because um, uh, Chris Bayliss's mom was a member of the church at that time, and she was there too, and, and she's the one who talks about it with us to this day, she said it was just an amazing thing, so continue, dear. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So this is when I
1: This is when I realized what Jesus did for me and that he heals and so much more. The scripture was so clear. This is when I gave my heart to Jesus and that means all of me. And I started to attend church regularly and studied the word. I wanted to be his disciple. I didn't just want to be a church person. I wanted to be like Jesus. I saw the love. It was so great. It was beyond my comprehension, and that he could even love me. There's no turning back from full commitment, but it needs to be full, not just a partial one. And I'll let Margaret. She's got a few things I'm to say too. Closing to. up here. Well, she's not closing. <laughs>
0: uh, I just wanted to say personally. Um, uh, having been raised in the church and receiving the Lord and uh, uh, being a faith-filled girl, woman, uh, I thought I was. But the shock of the diagnosis and prognosis uh, for me uh, was, it was just stunning. Uh, because they said that Neil wouldn't live and there was no treatment for it. We were young Um, I was 38 then, and we had uh, young teenage sons, and we had hopes and dreams, you know, for a university for them. We had a mortgage to pay, and uh, the Lord visited Neil with a great peace right from the onset at the diagnosis. He just kept getting sicker and sicker and was in his bed, and uh, one day uh, before he was just that week, um, we were driving to the Baptist church and had an argument as we were going into church because I was crying, and I said, Neil... Like, I'm, I'm just so concerned, you know, uh, about being left, uh, you know, or about this whole thing. And he said, well, I have a great piece about it. And I said, well, uh, that's fine for you. You're going to die and go and be with Jesus. <laughs> and I'm here with the kids and the mortgage. It was, there were some frank discussions, you know. Uh, that's how little my faith had any reality. But that's when I met the Lord. Uh, I had to cry out. I needed him. Because before that, everything was planned and programmed. You know, we were going to do this, we were going to do that, and we did. And, you know, the boys were going to go to universe, whatever, they they did. And the Lord had enabled us and blessed our lives. But suddenly, boom, there was a wake-up call. And um, uh, I would call my dad, who was an evangelist and pastor. He just was such a mighty man of God. Um, And he would comfort me and talk to me. Uh, uh, almost daily on the phone, and uh, one day he said to me, uh, he called me baby because I was the f- youngest of five, so it was nice to be called baby, you know, middle age, but uh, <laughs> anyway, he said, baby, God doesn't have any grandchildren, uh, and I said, what do you mean? And he said, and he so gently said it because he was a pastor, and he said, you're going to have to let go of my hand and take hold of God's for yourself, and oh, Dad, like, wow. It wasn't that he was cutting me off from our prayer times and comforting and so on, but he was like uh, a good spiritual father where you wean your spiritual children so that they become, they grow up from babies to, uh, the scripture says, to young men to fathers and mothers. That's the goal, it's not to keep people as babies and children. And so, wow, that was a real learning lesson for me. I learned to cast my care upon him. It was just amazing. I was so distressed. I lost about 10 pounds uh, in that time. And then one morning, I kept praying for the peace of God, praying, 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 praying. And then one morning, and it would, I would wake up every morning at four and there'd be just a dread on my heart. And the first thing I would think is, Neil's dying. Neil's dying. It was just fear, fear, fear. And one morning I woke up and it was 8 o'clock and I looked at my watch and I thought, that can't be right. So I got up and checked other clock and it was 8 because I'd been waking up at 4 every morning. And anyway, I went and got in the shower and got, got out of the shower and I looked at my watch again. It's 8.30, like, where's the fear? And I, God had just sovereignly visited me with his peace. And I was at peace, the same as Neil. He's so good. So I just say that to tell you, it doesn't depend on you and the amount of your praying, as Neil said, and the amount of our works. It's God. You know, he is carefully um, weaning us. He's carefully growing us up, maturing us to to build our faith and trust. And I just wanted to say, as I learned to cast my care on him, 1 Peter 5 and 7 said, um... Uh, I cast my care on him because he cares for me. It's as simple as that. I put my cares, in that uh, That casting your cares there is as to roll off. That's the meaning of, of the casting your cares. You just, and so I did. I learned that, and Dad taught me that. He said, just kneel by your bed and roll off whatever it is. The scripture says to leave behind uh, every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. And that's the same thing, that we just roll it off onto God. It's not just, you know, this or that. It's rolling it off onto God and learning to roll that off and then accepting his help and his peace. And um, I learned that scripture, it's experiential for me. Uh, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer, with supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind. And that word guard there means g- as to garrison. It's like a fortress around your mind against the t- tormenting darts of the enemy. And so, that, but you have to start at being anxious for nothing. But in everything, there are steps to there. Uh, and it also says that, um, but if, in everything with prayer, with supplication, with thanksgiving and how can you be thankful how can you be thankful that your uh husband has said that he's going to die and so on we'll have to have a, se- and a section i two. didn't say that by the <laughs> way i didn't say i was going
1: <laughs> to no he never
0: <laughs> did yeah uh but uh we'll have to talk about that another mm-hmm. time because the lord just re- just he was a miracle man uh down in uh, kingston and he's known the doctor said can i Uh, she's a a scientist, and she spoke around the world uh, because his leukemia was hairy cell and very rare. There was only, like, um, uh, two other cases that they knew of. And she said, can I study you? I have a live patient. I've studied this for years just out of uh, bone marrow cells. But she said uh, to have a live patient, and Neil said, sure. So anyway, at the end of this, after chemotherapy and so on, uh, they pronounced him healed. And um, uh, uh, he did uh, come, the cancer did come back in eight years, but, uh, and I was so disappointed. Like, you know, we had declared him healed, believe him healed, but the Lord just took us a little farther on our journey. <laughs> and uh, uh, we had the same um, doctor and uh, uh, he went through chemo again. And uh, because he had, uh, he talked to the Lord about that. And it was an experimental chemo because there had been no medicine. And so Neil was willing to be a guinea pig after he prayed. And the Lord said, go through this because I want to use it to bless many. Neil didn't share that. So um, anyway, uh, long story short, uh, the Lord miraculously healed him. And uh, the second time after his chemo, um, the doctor had said, you know, you are going to be so sick, we're taking your blood right down to nothing, and it could be a cold that will kill you, it won't be the cancer, they just wiped him right out. And we said, no, we're not receiving that. And and she just looked at us, and I just put my hand back down. And, uh, anyway, we had to go back in a week to check his blood, and she came running out of her, her office into the waiting room, yelling and waving her papers, and just it, it, she was such a composed doctor. Mm-hmm. And she says, "You're healed, Neil. You're healed. Come into my office. Come into my office." We went in mm-hmm. to her office, and she said, "It's impossible." She said, it, "It's not possible." Do you mind if we take more blood work from you? Because she couldn't believe she thought the blood work had had to have had a mix-up in the lab at Kingston. And they do it instantly there. So he said, sure. So they took more blood. And they came back. The results came back in about uh, half an hour. And same thing. He was healed, you know. And so it was just amazing. Yeah. Praise God. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to end with that. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to uh, end with that. Um, old Neil, you wanted to, to end with that.
1: Oh. Well, as I say our our byword by is push uh pray until something happens. Yeah. Pray without ceasing the word says. And it's important for you to not grow weary in well doing. And it's easy to grow weary in well doing. We do become weak in some of these things. We say, well what's the use? I've been doing this for 10 years. Well, I'll tell you, I've been praying for a number of people including my own family for a long, over 10 years, and I'm still praying because I believe God to restore all of my children to where they were originally. Right, John? We don't give up. We walk in the word of God because his word is perfect, and it's true. It's not for me to say how that's going to happen. As much as I'd love to be able to do that, it's not for me to say that. Is it time? Yes. It's time. Eh? <laughs> well, we've prayed for many, many people for deliverance from evil spirits, alcohol, drug use, etc., and some have been healed, and some not yet. Sometimes it takes a while. It's amazing just how God works sometimes, but He knows the end from the beginning. He knows what it's going to take because his, self, his his healing isn't about just the healing. It's a complete healing in the person that's, that's the work on. But that's also for me to not grow weary in it. That's a part of my healing, to be like him, you see. So don't do that. Our own prayers have not been answered in every case by any stretch. But we continue to pray because we believe God. Push, push. I couldn't find my hat. I got a push hat, but I couldn't find it this morning. Please be encouraged to look to the Lord for his perfect timing. Don't become discouraged. Hebrews 10 and 23. It's very, very important because discouragement does take a lot of the Christian church out of the um, action. That God wants to perform. And that isn't what he wants. He's still perform it. He wants you to finish the job with him. He wants to do it with us. Just as he did in Genesis. He spoke to us. And then he asked us to participate. It's the same thing today. And we have a lot of teaching that Adam didn't have. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have a lot of things in our life that some of the our forefathers did not have but they believed they believed and that's what we need to learn to do in the church of jesus christ today is to believe him for what he has said well we will change it up a little bit because margaret didn't get to say much this morning and that's not like her um (laughs) <laughs> so w- we want to give her that opportunity, but I just um, want you to know that we love you all, we don't even know you all, but we love you, and it comes, it takes a few years to come to that in our life, to love people without knowing them, uh, but God is faithful, and he teaches us, because he does know us all, and he does love us all, so Uh, We've chosen to speak uh, this morning on our experiences regarding prayer um, simply because we all need encouragement, and you've had good teaching for four weeks on prayer. Mm -hmm. It's all scriptural, and it's all good, and it's something you need to know, learn, and, and understand, but you also need to understand the experiences that go along with it because that's what makes it real for all of us, not my experience in your life, but your experience in your life and recognizing that it's God's, it's God's hand is very, very important. And, and sometimes we don't recognize it. Sometimes we don't look. And, uh, but anyway, he's faithful when we're not. And uh, our byword is push. Pray until something happens. And the reality is, that's what he wants us to do, is to continue to pray, regardless of what we see. It isn't about what we see. It's about what he's asked of us to do. Our faithfulness in all of that is his priority. He wants to make sure that we become faithful as he is faithful. And so we have to be tried in that a little bit. We have to be tested in it. And sometimes we see things that we think, well, that's over with. Well, no, not if God hasn't done the job yet. It's not over with. And it's in his time, not in ours. Um, Genesis 3:10, and I'll have Margaret read them when they come up, because I can't it's too small for me to read that far.:
0: um, So he said, "I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself."
1: This is the first time that Adam conversed with his creator up to then the creator was telling him what he could do and what he shouldn't do but here he asked something of adam where are you where are you and adam answered so there was conversation there was exchange the relationship was beginning and while it's small it's a beginning and everything starts with a beginning even in all of our lives. And sometimes we have a hard time ste- stepping over thresholds in our life that God wants to expand us in. But the reality is, He wants us to do that. In Adam's life, He was asking that. So Adam would have the confidence to speak to Him. We're talking about God Almighty, we're talking about the Creator of everything. It's a little intimidating, <laughs> but the reality is, that's what He wants. Genesis four twenty six, And it's for
0: Seth. To him also a son was born, and he named him Enoch. Enoch. Yeah, it's hard for me to see it too. Uh, then men began to call on the name of the Lord.
1: This is when man called on God the first time. Called on him. He asks us to call on him, doesn't he? The, the, the relationship is growing. Do you see that? This is the next generation, Seth. The next righteous generation is Seth. And he's calling on God. Okay? We can call on him. We should call on him. I shouldn't say we can because it's actually a commandment. We are to call on him because he wants us to have that boldness. He wants us to know that he's open, that he's ready. At any time, with anything, big or small, he's that kind of father in heaven. My first understanding of my father in heaven is in Psalm 68 and 5.
0: A father of the fatherless, a defender of widows is God in his holy habitation.
1: When I first saw that or heard of that and read it, I knew it was mine. And it was important to me because as a fatherless child, I didn't really know who I was or where I was in life. And the reality is he gave me that spot, that stone to stand on, him, because he is now my father and he treated me like a a child of god okay i want you to know that it can be very simple in life very very simple just to have the communion to say something back and forth how many people do you know that you think well maybe i should go talk to that person or not it's as simple as going over and saying hi open the conversation God wants the conversation open, and he opens it in prayer. You see, conversation with God is prayer. It's the beginning stages of what he's going to take us into in deeper prayer. But we have to begin. We don't start at the the finish line. We start at the beginning. And the younger you could do that, the better. Okay? He's here. He's with us. He lives right beside us all the time. He's ready to hear our call. And that's my testimony, that he was always with me. He was a constant with me, year in and year out, day in and day out. Even when I wasn't with him, he was with me. He's faithful. He is a good, good father. And that relationship started to grow. And I, I want you to understand how simple it is. It doesn't have to be some magnanimous thing. It's simply a relationship. How many people do you have that relationship with? You just can't hardly wait to see them again to talk again. That's our relationship with our God. And he wants that. He has that desire in his heart for us. It's very, very important for us to do that and to become into that relationship with him I know many, many times that I would just ask him something about life as a child because there was no one else to ask. And he'd give me the answer. He'd show me the complexity of what I was asking or the simplicity of it, more often the simplicity of it. He would just give me the answer. And then I would have to sort through that as to, well, how do I walk in that or how does this work or whatever within that framework. But it's him, it's the truth. He never gives me a lie. And so it's important that we have that kind of relationship with him because we're gonna need it in the days ahead. We may not have each other at our back and call. We may not have a phone or we may not have other ways to communicate but we need that communication with him. We have to have that because the leading is going to come and we need to hear the voice and follow. So that's how he is and he was that way with me for many, many years. It was a very simple relationship and I don't want you to mistake this for being a born-again experience. That's not what it is. It's an awareness of God. That's what it is. It's an awareness of, hey, there's a creator here. There's something much larger than me, and he wants to talk with me. So I recognize that for what it is. But never forget, your Father in heaven is leading you to someone, and that someone is Jesus. You see, he wants you to talk with Jesus. He wants you to know what that relationship is is about as well so take it simply as it comes but let it grow continue to grow in god and a mustard seed size okay but it will become a tree believe me because he says it will it's his word that comes true that's that's going to accomplish everything it's sent forward to now at this point, this morning on the other service, I broke into some things that happened in my life, but I'll give Margaret the, the, the chance to go ahead and, and talk about some things that happened in hers, and if I have time later, if I have time later, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll fill that in.
0: <laughs> you should have been at the first service, Pierre, <laughs> and he, I just steal the mic. <laughs> um, yeah, so we 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 we've lived a long time and uh, uh, faithfully uh, led by the Lord, and we've come through many uh, dangers, toils, and snares. We have already come, as the old hymn says. And uh, and talking to you, a few of you at break, you have two. Yep, ours are just ours, and yours are yours. But the Lord is faithful, and He's brought us through so many things. Um, I wanted to mention uh, uh, just a fantastic uh, miracle. God worked many. We saw miracles. I've said uh, in our family, we are without excuse because we have seen creative miracles by the hand of God. And um, uh, our son um, married a beautiful Christian. uh, Our middle son. Our middle son, yeah. We have three sons, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Neil and Scott and Brad. And our middle son uh, married a lovely Christian girl from Toronto, and that was uh, a delight. Her her family was a Christian family and uh, uh, Pentecostals, and and so it was just great going. But they they tried for several years to uh, conceive and have a baby. And uh, finally, Laura, our son's wife, was able uh, to conceive, and uh, after many years of hoping for this child... The family was ecstatic, and um, at the four-month mark, however, ultrasounds showed that uh, Laura's placenta would not support the baby, and there was almost no fluid in her womb. The doctors urged them to abort their baby as they proclaimed it could not live. Scott and Laura, though stunned, said that they were Christians and they would not do that. Um, The head of the genetics department at Women's Hospital in Toronto urged them to abort, uh, as the baby would be Down syndrome, have scoliosis and a heart defect, among many other things, that they saw the scans were showing down the road. And uh, Scott and Laura agreed equivocally together. They give an immediate answer both times. Scott said, no, we're Christians, and we believe in miracles, and we'll see what God will do. The doctor said... <laughs> The doctor said, There's no miracle waiting for you at Mount Sinai. Yeah. Um, Scott was able, it was a grace of God, really, on the, in that phone call, Scott said, uh, because he realized that um, because they had been at a uh, women's hospital, um, so there's a, a group of uh, uh, OB Gynes, they call them, uh, obstetricians, and so on, and uh, this doctor, they they had uh, diagnosed Laura at um, uh, Mount Sinai, and um, then they sent her over to Women's Hospital because there was not um, um, a bed for the baby in the intensive care for uh, extremely preemies. And so they sent her on over. And so there was a little bit of, <laughs> of a competition, it seemed, amongst uh, the doctors. Um, That's why the doctor made that remark. There's no... Because she uh, didn't come back to women's hospital, um, they chose to stay at Mount Sinai because it's a a Jewish hospital. I mean, it's got a background in that. And uh, they felt the comfort of the Lord there, you know, where they didn't. They Women, they're both... All of them are so excellent, but um, they just felt Mount Sinai was where they were to stay, stay. Anyway, they did not accept the word from the doctor. Um... And, uh, the doctor said, when your son is born, um, he heard that Laura was going to carry and the doctor had a change of heart because Scott said to him on the phone, he said, um, I don't know what the doctor's name was, but he said, um, uh, please understand us. We don't think that the doctor over at the other hospital is better than the team that you have at your hospital. It's not about that. It's just that my wife felt comfortable at Mount Sinai, so we want that for her, but we esteem you highly. And that other doctor uh, backed right down, and he said uh, he was uh, gracious, and even though he had said this baby cannot live, uh, because there's never been one recorded um, in North America or England that has lived as a dry pregnancy, they called it. So the doctor said, when your son is born, will you bring him here to see me? Because I have never met a miracle. And that actually happened. Both sides of the family and our church families took to prayer. Peter was there at that time as well. And uh, our pastor's wife felt led to the Lord um, uh, to bring Hannah's prayer forward that for this baby I have prayed and the Lord has heard my request. She brought that prophetic word at the altar as we were all standing praying over this baby. Uh, we saw the Lord's hand move in amazing ways and miracle after miracle unfolded before our eyes. As the placenta failed, a little pocket of fluid came in and remained around Owen's face. That's our grandson, Owen. Um, just enough to sustain his life. Owen Andrew Dick was born at 26 weeks at 2.2 pounds and that was 23 years ago. Owen was a medical study uh, in the genetic departments in Toronto, uh, from the people who had urged them to abort, and they uh, all there was a team, and they asked if they could follow Owen's develop throughout uh, his fir- first eighteen years. So they did uh, for the year while the pregnancy took place. The Lord led Neil and I to fast one meal a day and pray. What a precious time that was! I just want to encourage you. Um, there's. The Lord really meets us uh, uh, during a fast. I find it hard to fast, and so does Neil. <laughs> but uh, uh, we've done a fair bit of fasting over the years because we meet the Lord, and it works. God hears. There's just some barriers that are taking fleshly barriers away when, when we fast. We felt the Lord so close. At birth, uh, Owen had a brain bleed, and the pediatric neurologist, uh, uh, did all kinds of tests, and they said he would never walk. He would be uh, totally paralyzed down his left side. And uh, again, we did not accept that, um, that diagnosis. My father, that I spoke about in the earlier service, he was a pastor, evangelist, and prophet, uh, lived with us the last ten years of our life, and what a his g- life, pre- his life, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not ours. What a precious time that was, and we went into him and told him the news uh, because he followed along with all that was happening in the family, and uh, that the doctors had said that this baby will do all this, and he will, will not live, he will die, and and uh, we just gathered in uh, uh, to the war room in Dad's uh, sanctuary, he called the lovely big bedroom. And uh, I remember we were kneeling down, Dad was in his lazy boy chair, and he just called out, Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus. And he brought our request before the throne. And, uh, and God moved, God heard, and he answered all of our various prayers. Uh, at Owen's one-year checkup, the team's, team of specialists were all there because they were all studying him. Owen could pull himself up. Um, on on things and stand on to, and hanging on to something he could stand. The neurologist said, who had said he would never be able to walk, this is the the Lord, entered the room late for the meeting. All the other specialists were there. She was about five minutes late. She came rushing in. And as she did, Owen turned and looked at her and took his first steps towards her. And Laura said that uh, the doctor... Got right down to meet him like this. His own was toddling towards her, and she says, "What do we have here?" She, they, the doctors were just amazed. I could go on and on about our miracle grandson, but we say all these things to encourage you all to pray without ceasing. And though things look impossible, remember we serve the God of the impossible. My dad, long gone on to his reward, used to say, "You will never know the God of the impossible." until you are in an impossible situation. That's when you meet him. We all want to know this great and mighty and powerful miracle-working God. But as Neil uh, intimated in the first service, there are things that the Lord leads us through. And I know many of you here this morning have been through uh, different things. So we know God is that great and faithful God. And my dad's uh, other motto was Luke 18.1. Uh, that man ought always to pray and not faint. He would say that to me. I'm, I'm the youngest of five, and he called me baby. That was so lovely to be called baby in middle life <laughs> and later. And uh, uh, that was h- him. We would go into uh, the war room, and, and uh, Peter's been in there. <laughs> and uh, and anyway, Grandpa would... Uh, would uh, Uh, pray. He was such a man of prayer. I went in one day, uh, just as an aside, and I said, oh, uh, how are you this morning? He had his private time. He tithed his time. So 2.4 hours a day, he read his Bible and prayed. So we didn't be bothering grandpa during that 2.4 hours, but after that, he was free, except for emergencies, you could break in, but Um, I said, what are you doing today, Dad, in your prayer time? And he said, I'm just praying for that spirit of murder that I see over the 401 in the Belleville area. And he's been right because there's been a number of crashes in that Belleville area. Anyway, I could go on and on about all these things. But uh, I just want to remind you that we do serve the God of the impossible. And he is an ever-working God. He's never-changing Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, so, uh, and Hebrews four sixteen. I love this this verse. This is my dad uh, for sure. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace. Uh, that we uh, yeah that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Isn't that come boldly, as yes. Neil has said? Into the throne of grace. Isn't that great that we have access? Not because of how good any of us are, but because of the blood of Jesus. Jesus. Isn't that great? You know, we stood in the blood of Jesus and, and uh, thankful for the prayer team here and the prayer warriors uh, uh, that stand, and we stand in the blood of Jesus. That's the power. Um, so um, we've learned to ask largely of the Lord. That's something my dad taught me. He said, ask largely of the Lord. He is a large God, and he loves to show off. He loves to show up and show off because when you're in, just it just blows us away, some of the answers to prayer, doesn't it? Like, wow. And where and was my faith? You know, you get that call on something that you've been praying, praying, praying for, and you say, What? almost in disbelief, you know, you've been praying for that thing. And he doesn't, he, he doesn't mind, he knows, he remembers that we're just flesh. Anyway, I'm going to end with uh, that, and if you've got <laughs> something else.
1: <laughs> okay. I, uh, uh, we want to encourage you in prayer. It's very, very important. It's a foundational truth. It's the first truth God taught his people, his creation, the very first one. So we do not want to place it at a lesser place. It is the most important thing Mm -hmm. because it's our Mm -hmm. commune and our relationship with him. That's so important. And I could go on and on and on. You know, when you get to be our age, there's a lot of things that God's done. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, time doesn't permit it. And I wish Shirley was in the first service because she she was a... At present, at the first... At, the Baptist, uh, at the Baptist, Church, Baptist Church. When he
0: was anointed with oil and prayed over for the leukemia.
1: So yeah. you see, God knows. And the reality is, that's another testimony. It's just a different testimony, but it's it's miraculous too. But it's different. And it's personal for me, of course, and my wife. But the reality is, is that God is teaching us to pray. And when we've done... All we stand mm-hmm. praying. I'll add that. That's not what the scripture says. But we stand. And part of that standing is praying. Okay? And it's important for us in these days, in these times, because there's many, many things going on that we don't understand. Many, many things going on we don't even know are going on. But they're going on. And the enemy's at work. Believe me. He's very much at work. But the reality is God is much more mm-hmm. at work, yes. and, has, more. and he is victorious. Mm-hmm. He's already victorious. Mm-hmm. It's, Hallelujah. So we mm-hmm. want you to know that, and maybe sometime we'll talk about some of the other things. Peter and I, we went through a hurricane in an airplane together. <laughs> like It was kind of interesting. <laughs> <That's a> <laughs> <laughs> Quite interesting, actually. <laughs> that's, but, a, that's another... But the reality is in praying for a woman that was pregnant in the jungle, lost many, well, lost all of her children, I guess, prior to that. Mm -hmm. Um, And we all got together and prayed for her. She had that child. Yeah, the baby lived. The baby lived. And the reality is is that God knows and he hears and he's with us. And sometimes he's with us when we think he shouldn't be, but he is. He loves us. He loves us with an unfailing love.
0: Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.